and welcome to the Candidate Support Podcast brought to you by RICS. My name is Becky McDonald and I am a Candidate Support Coordinator and today I'm joined with my colleague Russell Green, also a Candidate Support Coordinator. Hopefully you will have already had interaction with our team, but as an overview, we design and deliver complementary material to help support candidates progressing towards designation. In today's podcast, we'll be focusing on providing an insight to the role of a counsellor, the relationship between counsellors and candidates, and the support that is available. We have a special guest joining us on today's podcast, Alex Dorling, who is an MRICS member, assessor, chair, counsellor and mentor. We are really looking forward to hearing Alex's personal experience from her own candidate counsellor journey, useful tips and what it means to be a great supportive counsellor. Before we get started, remember if you like our podcasts and want to hear more, please let us know by leaving a review and subscribing via your favourite podcasting platform. Alex? Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm quite excited to be here and looking forward to our, our chat. Oh, brilliant. So would it be okay with yourself if we just start from the beginning? So if you can take us back to when you were a candidate and how your counsellor supported yourself? Yeah, I mean, being brutally honest, it took me three times to pass. So, you know, I think I had quite a some would say turbulent journey through the APC. And as a result, you know, I've, I've had some experience with really good counsellors, some not as good counsellors. And I think in my experience, really, it's all down to both parties, the candidate and the counsellor, really understanding the APC process, what's required, and then proactively engaging with each other. I mean, my two referrals were 100% down to the fact that I was not prepared. I didn't quite understand the point of the questions that was being asked. So then I wasn't really able to engage and give the level three answers. So, you know, it just meant that I was really nervous. I kept freezing and the the interview, it got to the point where I was looking at my third one and I thought, oh my God, I'm not really sure I can do this. And then I joined Arcadis and had a new counsellor who obviously was just very experienced at supporting candidates through and just took a completely different approach with me. It was a lot more, you know, going back to the basics. This is what the APC is trying to achieve. It's just trying to demonstrate your the rationale behind what you're thinking, behind why things have been done. And as a QS, you know, it's not looking at the intricate details of a of a contract and legally why something's being done it's uh, what commercial advice are you giving as a result of you know the potential impact that this contract clause could have so as soon as someone explained it to me like that something just clicked and my new counselor just really took the time to adapt to their approach to my learning style but then also you know, they sat down with me and they said, this is your APC, it's not mine. So you've got to put the effort in to be prepared for when you see me. So I think, you know, that, you know, the the change of approach, I think, was was such a positive thing. And as a result, you know, that's why I've gotten involved in, in the APC process so in depth since I passed. So it seems like the right counsellor actually helped you a lot 
get through to gain chartership really because it was your style of learning and your style of well everything basically so the way they supported you was just brilliant do you think having that supportive counsellor motivated yourself to become a counsellor? A hundred percent because I am not very good at sitting back and watching something be done badly so I like to just kind of I like to help where I can and the thing is my two my two referral scenarios, I didn't have to go through it. And I feel like a lot of candidates actually are in that situation for very similar reasons that I was. So I like to just kind of be out there and in the industry and and be somebody who can help. So I work with my employer, Arcadis and um, Property Elite to mentor candidates through the APC. And so many candidates have been in my situation and you know, they know the book answer, they know the theory of something, but they're not necessarily making that link with the commercial considerations if they're a QS or the project objective considerations, you know, the risk to the project objectives that PMs are potentially having to look at because those are the two pathways that I mentor. And as soon as, you know, you just sit there and you have the conversation and you see that light bulb moment, you know, it's just the best feeling ever. And, um, you know, I love being able to sit down with a candidate who, you know, for example, they might have had a bad counsellor before or, I mean, bad counsellor is the wrong phrase, or they might have had a, a bad experience before and they're really struggling to link that level one and level three and watching their progression and watching that light bulb moment, it's just it's just so nice to watch. It does sound really rewarding, to be honest. It definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> so, in regards to a counsellor's practice, approximately how much time would you expect to spend with a, a candidate at each meeting and how frequently would those meetings occur? Was we typically suggest every quarterly, but is that your practice or do you prefer to do things a bit differently? So I'm a bit more hands-on than normal, I think because I take more of a mentoring approach with it. So if you look at the the criteria or the options you know, throughout the APC, most candidates, the RICS recommend having a supervisor and a counsellor. So the rule of thumb that I've always run by is that a supervisor is your line manager. You see them day to day. They understand the project that you're working on. They're able to kind of sit down and talk to you and go through, okay, well, in this particular scenario, they relate it back to your competencies. And I'd kind of anticipate if you have a supervisor, which you don't have to have a supervisor, but if you do have a supervisor, you'd meet with them once a month and then your counsellor quarterly. If you're in a situation where you don't have the supervisor and you've just got a counsellor, I personally would recommend building that relationship up with the counsellor and meeting them monthly. Because if you leave it every three months, then you're not building up enough of a relationship with them. You can't be honest. You, you won't feel comfortable to make mistakes in front of them. And, um, and you know, that relationship is really important because I don't feel like you can learn if you don't feel comfortable being vulnerable with someone to make mistakes. So yeah, if you're in a scenario where you've got a supervisor and they're your line manager, generally I'd say that the counselor should be a director level or someone who's got the authority to move you from one project to another if you're not getting the experience. So if you're stuck on a big project and all you're doing is change control, then speaking to your counselor who's your who's potentially your director, you could say to them that I, I really need to get some experience in procurement now because I'm not going to pass the APC unless I have that as my level two doing. 
so in terms of levels and structure, that's kind of the rule of thumb that I follow. If you're meeting them quarterly, your counsellor quarterly, I'd recommend, you know, more than an hour. An hour is not going to be enough because you're going to have to go through quite a few competencies in one go. So possibly about two hours. But the key part of any of it is the candidate has to be prepared. So if the candidate isn't prepared for that meeting, then they're not going to get the most out of it. And they're not going to get the most out of the experience that your counsellor has. So what I generally recommend with my candidates, and I mean, I generally meet my candidates monthly, and we set a competency, I ask them to draft their summary of experience. And then I I do Q&A with them on that one competency or two, if they decide to do two. And then it helps them draft their summary of experience throughout the process so that they understand how the paperwork needs to look, why you're writing it in a certain way, but it also allows the practice of the Q&A and any kind of feedback or pointers with with the day-to-day work. Really, if you've got the supervisor-counsellor scenario, then you should still be, you should be doing that prep with your supervisor and then a similar level of prep with the counsellor every three months so that you're getting the most out of those two people's experience and really giving yourself the best chance to pass at the APC. Okay, thanks for that. It looks really interesting. So giving communication has changed drastically over the last few years, basically. Candidates and counsellors having the opportunity to meet remotely does have a better relationship building between the two of them. What are your views on this? Do you think it's better to stay hybrid? Do you think it's better to meet remotely? Do you think it's better to actually meet in person? It depends, in essence. I mean, obviously, COVID has made a massive change. It's had a massive impact in terms of ways of working. My projects and at Arcadis, anyway, we were we were going more to a hybrid way of working. So we were kind of used to spending a lot of time on Teams and um, Zoom and all those things, having online meetings. The generally society has kind of moved more towards that. And as everybody knows, you know, we're finding it difficult getting people back into the office. However, there is a, such a value with face-to-face meetings. I don't feel that you can build as good a relationship with someone over Zoom as you can, you know, sat in a room with them, just cracking some jokes, really, because it breaks the ice and it really helps you. You know, you get the chit-chat. You, you start talking about a few personal things. You get to know each other. So... I think there's an, a level of balance and there has to be a level of reasonableness. I mean, I've mentored people over in Australia and the UAE. So obviously I can't meet them face to face. You know, it's a bit of a long commute for me, but you can mentor and you can support candidates over teams. But I don't feel that the candidates will get the best out of their experience and trying to find some, trying to find a balance between the two. Um, I think is probably going to benefit both councillors and and candidates moving forwards. Right, okay. So usually, staying on the topic of just supporting your candidates the best that you can, um, we do usually encourage candidates to actually find a councillor from their own sector. But how important is this? So having a councillor in your sector, they're going to understand the nuances of the language that you're using a lot better when you're right at the beginning of your journey 
they're going to be able to understand, you know, so I work in data centers predominantly. So if people are talking about power on dates, OFCIs, LLEs, those types of things, I will be able to support candidates better within my sector because I'll understand what the what the acronyms and things are. But that's not to say that they have to be in your sector because sometimes it is good to get someone else's perspective because different sectors do things differently. So if your counsellor is from, you know, if we're looking at construction, quantity surveying, if your counsellor is from a commercial office background, they might they might do their cost planning slightly differently because the sector client requirements are slightly different and they'll challenge you maybe from a in a different way and the candidate will potentially have to explain themselves better in terms of what the acronyms are in their sector which then allows them to practice a bit more for the APC because you know your your assessors although the RICS try to make sure that it's sector specific and the assessors have got the same experience as you it's not guaranteed so it does allow you to kind of practice you know, explaining basic principles from your sector to someone that's not from it. So it just really depends. And again, it's all down to the relationship that you build with your supervisor or your or your counsellor. Yeah, so I, I suppose it can be a bit harder for people on niche pathways, really, because it's quite, again, it's really hard to find a counsellor that specialises in the same things. Thank you for that, Alex. So when supporting a candidate, what are the main differences for you in supporting a candidate that's previously been referred and a candidate coming through on their first assessment? So a referred candidate has just had a massive confidence knock. And especially if you're session two, you've probably got your letter the week before Christmas, which isn't really what you want to be going into Christmas with. Talking from experience, I got two the week before Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that was fun. But as an assessor and as a chair, I think just one point really to note is that a lot of the referrals that we see is because a candidate actually hasn't been sufficiently prepared. So their paperwork, like, potentially hasn't been written to, to demonstrate actually all the level, all the fantastic level two work that they've done. And when you're assessing someone, you can kind of tell maybe that they've probably got some of the experience, but they haven't had the practice in the mocks or they potentially haven't had the guidance and how to answer the questions. So they're not fully demonstrating their depth and breadth of experience and that level three link in the level two doing tasks and the level three advice. So you know, that element of, of things can be frustrating. So then when I, as a mentor or a counsellor, come across a referred candidate, it's really taking the time to go back to basics, support them, give them a morale boost and make them feel confident in themselves. Because, you know, in my experience, it is it is a bit of, it is quite emotional being referred each time it took me a good six months to get over it and then get back on get back on the wheel and redo my documents and submit for the next session. So make sure if you are in that situation, take the time. You know, it's there there is always a way around it. You will be able to get there one day. 
and just work with your counsellor to build up your confidence because you'll get there. All right, thanks for that. I just think that's going to be great for candidates to hear. So going on to more the counsellors, um, what additional support and training would you like us to provide for counsellors like yourself? Are there any specifics of the ABC process that you feel you, you need upskilling on? Because we do run a understanding assessment process webinar where it's just basically additional training. Um, but is there anything you think would be beneficial? I guess a large part of being a counsellor is people skills and emotional intelligence to an extent. So it would be really, really helpful if counsellors could receive some kind of periodic training on how they can adapt their teaching and mentoring style in order to suit the candidate. Because I've found personally when I'm mentoring candidates through or I'm acting as someone's counsellor, it's a 360 learning process. So every what I find with it is that all candidates have their own style of learning, retaining information, practising, and it's actually allowed me as a counsellor to learn how to adapt in my professional situations and, uh, and approach my client situations differently because I'm having to learn on a daily basis professionally and when I'm mentoring how to approach different people, what works, what doesn't work, you know, how firm are you having to say something, do you need to take a step back? So if there was some kind of training that the RICS was able to provide for counsellors to help them along that route, I think that would be really beneficial. And then because you've probably got loads of great counsellors out there who have got loads of great knowledge and experience and they really want to pass that on, but they're struggling to communicate their point across and it can then kind of result in candidates maybe feeling frightened or not feeling as comfortable around counsellors as maybe they could be. And it's not the counsellor's fault. It's not the candidate's fault. It's just a communication issue. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you for that. Well, we will go back and see what more we can do to actually support counsellors because it is a, a vital role for every every candidate really going through the journey. So yourself, for instance, obviously you're a counsellor, you're an assessor and you're a chairperson. So do you feel that this is an advantage to the counsellor role being an assessor and a chair? Yes. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, short answer, yes. So I feel like if a counsellor is ingrained in the APC process, then you are much better prepared to, A, give practical advice in terms of in interview, what some do's and don'ts, what goes well, what doesn't go well. You know, I'm always getting questions on presentations and case studies and this, that and the other. So if you're working with the RICS as an assessor, because you're always going through other people's documentation and sitting in interviews, you're able to actually then feed back and support your candidates a lot better because you've got a lot more experience in the assessment than maybe a counsellor who just did the assessment. They know what worked for them, but they don't necessarily know what works for thousands of other people. So it allows you, again, to get a bit more perspective on how different people cope in the interview, how to adapt your approach and how to teach the 
the candidates, okay, well, I don't know, for example, you've got a candidate who's really, really, really good on explaining really in-depth concepts with uh, with ease, but they're absolutely terrified of giving presentations. So you're in a much better position as a counsellor if you're more involved in, in the APC process to help support them through that because you've probably seen a lot of other candidates coping mechanisms or how they've approached the situation then you can kind of feedback to your candidates okay well I I assessed this candidate a couple of years ago these are the tools and techniques that they used in interview to calm themselves down why don't you try that if you're not involved in the APC process I don't think you're able to kind of um, experience that and feed that back to to your team all right okay thanks for that Alex um so newly trained counsellors so have you got any tips or advice that you give in supporting newly trained counsellors that you might not got when you first got trained? I I kind of touched on it earlier, but this is a partnership and you should be, as a counsellor, asking for 360 feedback because counsellors do not know everything and you learn as much from your candidate as they learn from you. Like I said, you know, you're, you're learning as a counsellor, how to adapt your communication style. So then actually you can take that forward into your professional life because, you know, especially on construction projects, you're working with so many different personality types. You've got project managers, clients, um, client relations teams, engineers, architects. They're all very different people that you're working with. So if you're able to actually take the feedback from your candidates and say, you know, how are things going? How am I doing? Do you need some more support for me? Did you understand what I was saying? Do I need to change my style in any way? Then you might find actually that you're having similar issues on your projects. You just hadn't really thought about it. So getting that feedback from your candidates is going to be a really positive experience. I mean, also you learn a lot, especially because, you know, when I work with Property Elite, I do work with candidates across the world. So I work with Middle Eastern candidates, candidates from Australia, New Zealand. I think I've had some Canadians as well. So you actually learn what different parts of the industry are doing across the world. And it's it's really, it's interesting, but it also allows you to have a different perspective, not only when you're supporting candidates, but actually on your day-to-day professional life. And I feel it does make you just a much better surveyor all around. No, that's perfect. Thank you, Alex. So in regards to meeting your candidate um, whose responsibility is it to arrange meetings and review submission work would it would it be expected from the candidate side or would the counsellor take control of that or is there a plan to follow well putting it bluntly I've passed my APC (laughs) they haven't so it's the candidate's responsibility in my opinion to organize the meetings they will get out as much as they put in so the onus is 100% on them to to organize those meetings if they want to have a counselor and a supervisor then they need to manage the meetings with both of them and if they want the supervisor to be in the counselor meetings you know they they need to be really driving that process if you've just got the counselor then again the onus is 100% on them to manage that process which again from a professional point of view it's it's a massive benefit because it teaches a level of organization self-sufficiency you know if you're working in construction projects it's helping you with your time management and all those things so you know it is a 
it's part of the journey and it's part of the experience. So the candidates really need to drive their own assessment process, really. No, that makes perfect sense. Thank you for that, Alex. We want to say thank you for joining us today, Alex. It's been so lovely to talk to you as always. Are there any final tips that you would like to share before we finish today? Yes. Don't forget what you're qualifying as. If you're a QS, you're focused on the money. If you're a project manager, you're focused on your project objectives. You're not a lawyer. You're not an engineer. You're not an architect. So just really focus and take that back. And that's your founding principle. So then as a QS, if you're going, you're answering any question, you're thinking, okay, this is the contract term. This is what's happened on site. What's the commercial risk? How am I going to manage that? When you get that, you know, when you when you think about it from that point of view, the light bulb moment will happen pretty quickly. And, you know, you'll you'll be set on the route to success. That's a great tip. Thanks, Alex. Um, it's been so informative listening to you today and going through your own personal experience for all and providing with all those useful tips. So thanks again. I'm sure if you're listening on this podcast, you will have found this very useful and helpful in succeeding in your journey through the RICS. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed our podcast today, please let us know by leaving a review. The Candidate Support Team will be hosting regular podcasts around a variety of topics to support you on your journey to designation. We have some exciting guest speakers joining us along the way. Subscribe via your favourite podcasting platform for future episodes. We also have to offer here in candidate support, as my colleague Russell mentioned earlier, our Understanding the Assessment Process session, which is designed for counsellors and mentors. This is a complimentary webinar that focuses on the assessment process and for counsellors supporting their candidates throughout their whole journey. The webinar runs for two and a half hours long with an open Q&A once finished. If you would like to find out more about this session, please get in touch with us at ukicandidatesupport at rics.org. Thanks again, Alex, and I really hope you enjoyed our podcast today. Please take care and we wish you all the best. Mm -hmm.